with the will of God and giving us three attitudes that we find in the story concerning the will of God. So James 4, starting with verse 13, he says, Now listen, pay attention. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, we'll spend a year there, we're going to carry on business and make money, while you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? That's a good question. What's your life? Not what is life, but what is your life? Why are you here? Where are you going? What's going to happen when you die? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and you brag, and all such boasting is evil. It's pride. Verse 17, this is our verse for tonight. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he sins. So again, we're talking about the will of God. And we see three attitudes towards the will of God in these few verses. Number one, there's ignoring the will of God. Number two, there's disobeying the will of God. And that's where we're at tonight. And then next week, Lord willing, we get to obeying the will of God and the blessings and the attitude and how we go about obeying the will of God. But very quickly, uh, we started out and James talked about ignoring the will of God. There were some businessmen there in the church and they were making some boasts and brags about we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And they were making all their plans and they didn't seek God. They were making their plans and they never said, Lord, if it be your will. And though they called themselves Christians, really they were practical atheists because they lived like there was no God. And so James is saying, you know, Um, That's very foolish to ignore the will of God. And we studied and we looked through these verses and James gave four reasons, four arguments why it's foolish as Christians not to seek the will of God and not to um, put, lay down the will of God before any decision. He said, number one, um, don't you know that um, that life is complex, the complexity of life? You know, you're going to make plans and you're not going to consult the Almighty that knows the end from the beginning. You're going to make plans and look how feeble you are. I mean, most people can't speak one language. I mean, I mean, can't speak. I mean, we're so feeble, yet we're going to make all these plans instead of asking the Almighty. What do you think? Life is complex and life is uncertain. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. And you're boasting about the plans you make. You might not make it home tonight. Hope you're ready. Hope you're ready. And you're not going to seek the Lord, the one that holds your breath and your heartbeat. It's very foolish to ignore the will of God. Because life is complex and life is uncertain. And and, and then he talks about the brevity of life. Life is short. We're like a mist. And then we stand before God. Wow. Make sure God's not a stranger when you stand before him. Make sure he's someone you've walked with and you've submitted your life to. Amen. And then lastly, the frailty of man. He gave that art. Frail, we're, we're, we're men. And the best of men are just men at best. We're frail. And life's hard. But God's good and all wise. Let's pray, Lord, your will be done. And before I make plans, first, Father, if this is your will. And I'm not just going to tack that on. I'm going to start with that. Lord, I want your will in this matter. I want your will in how I spend my money, how I plan my week how I respond to my crisis, I want your will. All right, secondly, and this is what we got to last week, not only did some ignore the will of God, some just flat out disobeyed the will of God. 
And we said that group's kind of worse. They're, they're really worse than the first group because these people know the will of God, but for the most part, they choose to disobey it. That's, that's a greater accountability, right? We're judged by the light we've received. Much is required. To whom much is given. And when you know the right thing you ought to do, but you don't do it, that's sin. That's sin. Knowing what should be done obligates a person to do it. So, so again, and we said last week very, very easily, we said, number one, what are some reasons why people who know the will of God will deliberately disobey the will of God? And that's what we did last week. And again, we didn't get it on film last week, but we got it, I think, on CD. So if you need to get the CD, get it. But we gave three thoughts. Number one, um, instead of pride, let's put consecration. We'll make them all C's. Consecration or lack thereof. Consecration is your devotion and commitment and desire to please the Lord. How much do you want to please the Lord? How much is your life consumed by wanting to please and honor the Lord? And one reason people know the will of God and don't do it is they don't want to do it. They like their sin more than they like the applause of heaven. They like their sin more than they like the approval of Jesus. And we studied how the Bible says in Galatians, we've got the war going on inside us. That sinful nature in the spirit, amen? And there is a war in some people instead of resisting and renouncing and rejecting that carnal nature like the Bible teaches, they just give in to it. And they justify and rationalize and make excuses. Why do some people that know the will of God refuse to do the will of God? Because they don't want the will of God. Their consecration isn't there. They know the word says. They know the Bible says. They just choose to do their own thing. Lack of consecration. Second one is the lack of, or we should say, knowing the content and the character of God. The content. And we simply said, some people aren't doing the will of God, and maybe there's a sense of innocence in this, because there's certain areas in their life they have not been instructed in the way of God. And we gave some examples. You can get saved, and maybe you don't know what the Bible says about the area of finances, or maybe you don't know what the Bible says about the baptism and the Holy Spirit, and you can truly be saved and understand salvation in John 3, 16, and serve God. But hey, once we get saved then it's a lifelong process to feed on the Word and to study the Word and to learn how God wants me to live. And we said, basically, there's a personal side where all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's good for our teaching and our training, amen, that we might be proficient for every case. And so there's a personal side where as a Christian, individually, you're responsible now to study your Bible, to learn the Word, and find out how God wants you to live, amen? Amen? But secondly, there's also a role and responsibility on the church. This, we see in the New Testament church, one of the main things they did was they taught the people. Paul says, and we instructed you on how to live in order to please God. You see, in the Acts tells us that early church, they were all in one accord and they were unified and they were praying together. And the apostles' doctrine, their teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, but they taught, they taught, they taught. In fact, you know, the Great Commission includes teaching. Go into all the world, make disciples of the nation, teaching them to obey all things I've commanded you. So one of the roles of the church is to teach the word of God so that the people will know the will of God and be encouraged and inspired and built up to obey the will of God. So some people disobey God because some just really don't care all that much about it. They got saved, but their level of consecration, very weak. They don't have a passion to really please Jesus, and they'd rather do their sin 
than hear Jesus say, well done. Secondly, some people are not familiar enough with the content. Think about how much we've all grown since we came to Christ. We didn't know it all at the beginning, did we? But then we learned and we studied, went to Sunday school, went to small groups, we went to midweek Bible studies, and we learned what the Bible says so we could live it and enjoy the blessings and understand this great salvation we have, amen? So we want to learn the content so I can do the will of God and walk in the blessing of God. But thirdly, they don't understand the character of God. God's a good God. God's a faithful God. God's a loving God. And when you know the character of God, friend, you can trust this God. When you know the character of this God, you can believe this God. Amen? Listen, when you know the goodness of God and how faithful he is, you won't compromise in business. You'll know the Lord will supply your needs. You can do it God's way, and he'll take care of you. Amen? When you're getting lonely, you won't go dating someone from the world. You'll know this God is a good God, and if he wants me to have someone to share my life with, he can bring a Christian into my life and do it the right way. Can you say amen to that? And some people, they they fail in their Christian experience because they don't know God, don't know his character. In fact, in the very beginning, book of Genesis, we're in the garden, very first encounter between the devil and humanity. What did the devil try to do? Try to get Eve to doubt the goodness of God. Try to get her to doubt the character of God. God's trying to keep something from you. Don't listen to him. He's not a good God. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. He's trying to keep blessing from you. Go ahead and eat the apple. Go ahead and do your... And so many people today, if you'll walk with this God, you'll know the character of God. You'll know he's a loving God, a faithful God. He's an all-wise God. He's a compassionate God. And you'll learn to trust his word and obey his word. And you won't be tempted to disregard his word. Can you say amen? All right, now we're under the thought, disobedience. Okay, we've asked... Why do some disobey? Now let's ask this question tonight. What happens when the believer disobeys? Let's play it now. We can't play games. There are consequences when you disobey the Almighty. Now, I don't know how it was in your house, but I know my house, when I was growing up in my house, when I had children, when I, my children were growing up, um, there were consequences if you disobeyed the known will of the Father. How about that? Can I say it like that? Amen? How many know there are consequences if you disobey the known will of the Heavenly Father? It doesn't make any difference. I'm a child. Yeah, I was a child too, and if I disobeyed Dad, trust me, <laughs> I get it, all right? You know, if I, oh, I'm a child. Yeah, that's why you're getting it. If you weren't a child, I wouldn't care so much. Amen? But you're my child, so you're going to come on, say amen to that. And sometimes we get dumb. I mean, we, we understand one thing in one realm, we can't bring it over into the spirit. We've allowed the devil to so mess up our brains when it comes to the will and the ways of God. We're going to study some things tonight. You can go to most churches, they'll never study that because they get some kind of a warped view instead of a proper Bible view. So number one, let's look at this. What happens to Christians who deliberately disobey the will of God. Let, let me give you the, the, the four sub-points, and then we'll start digging in since we can't cover them all. Number one, they are disciplined or chastised by their loving Father. Number one, when we disobey, we're disciplined. Like any good father or mother, when your children dis- disobey, you what? You discipline. You didn't say, oh, cute little buddy. Put your finger in the light socket again. That was cute. 
Maybe, maybe the other part of your hair will blow up. That was nice. Let's do that. Oh, that's okay, honey. Sash your mama anytime you want. That's okay. <laughs> Not on your life. Isn't that right? Come on, say amen to that. Well, well you think your Heavenly Father is going to just let us do whatever we want? And I say, uh-uh, no, cha-cha-cha is coming. That, that's unacceptable. Isn't that true? I know in our house, we want, hey, that's unacceptable. Better not happen again. The father's like that. And we're going to read about that. We're going to read about that. Just as earthly fathers discipline their children, our heavenly father disciplines his because he loves us. And for the same reasons. He doesn't want us going down the wrong path, etc. But secondly, we also, there are also the, the danger of losing rewards in blessing both now and eternally when we disobey God. Some have lost their calling. Some have been disqualified from the dream because they wouldn't obey God. God had much more for them, but they chose not to obey God, so they missed it. Number three, you know there's a failure, obviously, and this kind of, we kind of flow together. There's a failure to accomplish God's will for your life when you disobey God. Not only will you lose rewards one day, but even now. You know, Demas didn't fulfill his call, did he? Gehazi and so forth. They didn't finish Samson, King Saul, so many in the Bible. They didn't fulfill their call, did they? The promise never did come to pass. You got to understand the promises that you receive in these prophets, they prophesy this or that over you. That's all conditional. That's all conditional, okay? That, that God is assuming that means you got to keep walking with God and you got to keep obeying God. Amen? I've watched people say things to me about God promised me. I'm looking at it and Brother, you don't go to church twice a year. If you really think God's going to use you, like he said, 1985, you're in delusion. You know. And lastly, what happens when we disobey God? He'll chastise us because he loves us. We're going to study that. We'll lose rewards in the end. We can sabotage and be disqualified from callings and blessings in the present. But you know what happens? We also have a negative effect on those God brings into our lives. Do you know how I live? My children are greatly affected by the way I live. They don't have a lot to say about it, especially when they're growing up. Right? For, for blessing or curse, my children are greatly affected by the way I live. They might be totally innocent. If I don't take them to God's house, they're going to be affected by that. Amen? I don't treat their mother right in private, they will be affected by that. Amen? If I'm hypocritical, you know, so again, and that's what happens when we choose to disobey the will of God. So let, let's begin. Let's go a little. You know, I like Wednesday nights. You like Wednesday nights? I mean, Wednesday, we try to go a little deeper. We try to make it more for disciples. Let's go a little deeper. Let's study the word. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, we're going to talk about when we disobey God, when we knowingly, deliberately, deliberately disobey God, we are chastised by a loving Heavenly Father. Just as our earthly fathers discipline His children, God chastens as evidence of His love, not His hatred. It comes in different measures. It comes with different expressions. All right, here we go. Hebrews 12, would you start out with verse um, number five? With verse number five. And the Bible says, 
And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. We're dealing with sons now. We're not dealing with the world. We're dealing with believers, okay? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And the love of God, just like, a, like an earthly parent, right? Because you love them, you discipline them. Because you love them, you don't let them just go anywhere they want to go. You don't let them just go out. Oh, you're, you're, you're 12 years old. Oh, go ahead. Stay out till midnight. Oh, no, you're going to be in bed. You're going to be, and my dad, he was something. Yeah, I want to know where you are at all times. And God help you if I show up and you're not where you said you were. Amen. <laughs> That's good. Amen. That accountability kept me at a lot, of, a lot of things I probably would have got in. That's all right. Our Heavenly Father's like that. Because he's a good Heavenly Father. We've got to study the Bible. Sometimes things make us uncomfortable, and so we don't study it in the Word of God. Well, if it's in the Word of God, it's good for us. We need to properly divide the Word of truth, but Lord, we need to study it all. And we need to recognize what God is saying. You might struggle, but you might not have had a daddy. You might have had a lousy father. Oh, that's tough. Some of us had great dads. So it makes it real easy to, to read these scriptures and respond to them. But regardless of where your background is, the word of God's for all of us. And we need to say, Lord, help me to learn what you're teaching and show me how to properly apply this to my life. Let's go on. Verse number seven. Endure hardship as discipline. God let you go through some tough times to wake you up and, and get your attention. Amen. God is treating you. Here it is. He keeps repeating as what? As sons. Not as enemies. No, not as rejected ones, but as sons. you got to get that. For what son is not disciplined by his father? And if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. Isn't that true? I walk into that mall, see some kids acting like knuckleheads. I, I might tell a security girl, I'm not wasting time with them. God help them if they belong to me, though. Amen? Boom. Isn't that true? Because one I'm not related to, the other one's my son. I love him too much to let him go crazy. I love him too much to let him cop an attitude. Amen. I love him too much to let some kind of rebellious spirit get in him that might kill him in the end. Isn't that true? I love him too much to have him act certain ways towards people and not learn how to treat respectfully their mother and, and how to be a faithful worker. Isn't that right? You teach them how to work and teach them the honor of faithful labor and how to respect elders. You teach them those things. And when they learn, the quicker they learn, the easier it is on them. Sometimes you need a little tough education, but either way, isn't that right? Let's keep reading here. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Verse 9, verse 9, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more, how much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. They did their best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Isn't that true? But painful. Isn't that right? It didn't seem good. 
There's still ouches. Later on, however, it produced a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by, for those that have learned the lesson from it. Amen? And then you grow up. You're away from home and things come up and you think, well, what would dad have done in this situation? Right? How would dad have handled this situation? Situation come up, you think, well, who's going to take care of this? Dad always did. Oh, I guess I'm dad. Amen. So you got to, you're trained by it. Later on, amen, you remember those lessons. Later on, and you look at people that went the wrong way. And you say, oh, I'm, thank God dad was rough on me. I thank God he, he kept a close monitor on me when I was in those rebellious years. You know, I thank God he was tough on me to keep me from who knows where I would have went if he didn't care. Who knows where it would have if he just would have said, I don't have time. God the Father's like that. Can we break down this a little bit? Our question is, what happens to Christians who deliberately disobey the will of God? And we say the first thing we're looking at here is they are chastised, chastened by a loving Heavenly Father. And now we're looking at Hebrews 12, 5, and 11. All right, I want to give you um, four thoughts from these few verses. Let's look at it together. Number one, verse 5 and B, th this teaches us, don't make light of the disciplines of the Lord. See, see verse 5? Verse 5, my son, do not make light of the Lord's disciplines. Understand they have a purpose. Understand God has a reason for that. Someone says, how do I make light the disciplines of the Lord? Well, some are just callous, and they don't recognize what God's trying to do. To those people, we say, wake up and understand the will of God in the ways of God. Understand God's trying to get through to you. Understand that thing's a mess because God wasn't pleased with it. You see, we blame so much on the devil. We're too quick to blame the devil, folks. Sometimes we're blaming the devil and it's God trying to get our attention. Saying, wake up. I'm not pleased with that behavior. You call yourself my son. How many times you fathers know what I mean? So-and-so did it. I don't care. I'm not so-and-so's father. Amen? Now, what's your last name? That's what I thought. We don't live like so-and-so lives. Isn't that right? <laughs> Number, don't make light of it. The Bible says, don't make, we make light of the Lord's disciplines. I've seen people discipline people and no one, no one got anything out of it. Didn't get anything out of it. Blame the devil. Don't make, listen, um, callous is when we become callous. Secondly, when we become complaining. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Some just complain about it. To them we say, grow up. To the callous, we say, wake up and understand God's trying to get through to you. God's trying to tell you something. God's trying to say, you're going the wrong way. You're heading down the wrong path. You don't change your behavior, she will walk out on you. Come on, have you ever seen that? I mean, I've told one before. Not here, I've told them before, buddy, you don't shape up, you won't have her very much longer. No, 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 I'm telling you. You treat anyone like that, I'm just telling you. Some people got to wake up when God's trying to get through. Other people need to grow up and stop complaining, but start submitting to the dealings of God. Isn't that right? Some people complain. Why is everything going wrong? Why is everything going wrong? Look at how you've been living. What do you expect? You want God's blessing? How can you get God's blessing when you're living like that? God's trying to wake you up. God's trying to get you to humble your heart. And get your house in order. 
Don't complain that things aren't going wrong. You ought to get to an altar and say, God, forgive me. I'm living not unproper. You see, so don't make light of it. Don't be callous. Don't be complaining. Don't reject the lessons. Instead, learn and change. Can I give you an illustration? Ready? From my own life. I won't pick on anyone. I left a beautiful, we had a beautiful men's conference. We had a good 50 men out looking back home. and We were leaving beautiful, um, um, Salvation Army had a beautiful campground right on one of the Finger Lakes. Oh, man, the deer come down at night. I mean, beautiful. We, we had good 50 guys out. And um, on the way back, we're driving home with one of the guys. And I said something I didn't need to say. Nothing about him. It was not untrue. I just didn't need to say it. All right? No reason. But I said something. Within 30 seconds, and totally out of the blue, he said something to me that he didn't know the whole background of the story. It was like a dagger in the heart. And he didn't know he was doing it. And God said, I mean, boom. And we're driving down from Watkins Glen back to where church. And God spoke to me. Are you going to start learning to watch your mouth? Sowing and yeah, we don't just quote that when we want to take a big offering. Amen? God spoke, you're going to start watching your mouth. This is God's servant, you've got to watch your mouth. Even if it's true, it doesn't have to be said. A lot of times it just means a hush and doesn't need to be said. And as soon as God, boom, God woke me right up. God chastised me, spanked me. Amen? And I, I'm, I, didn't forget, I, I didn't forget that. I said, Lord, forgive me, because it hurt. And he didn't know it, but he was just totally an innocent. It was just God used him. It was a God thing. But I said, Lord, forgive me. Wow. Uh, yeah, Lord, help me start watching my mouth. Let me start. This mouth better be controlled, ruled by the law of kindness. And if it doesn't need to be said, amen? Don't Make light. I could have made light of it. Don't make light of it. Don't complain about it. And don't be careless. What do we say? Careless. Complaining careless. Another way we make light of, of the disciplines of God is we're just careless about the overall purpose of God. No one cares. But the whole purpose of Christianity may be made conformable into his image. It's to do his will, finish the race, and please him. You're with me. Some in our, don't care about our spiritual walk. We don't care about God's purpose and being conformed. And to them, to one we said, wake up, to another, grow up. To them we say, stir it up. Stir up your faith and get excited about serving God again. Stir up your heart and get serious about growing in God again. Number one, don't make light of the Lord's disciplines. But number two, same verse. Verse 5, see, don't faint because of it. Carry on, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, okay? Don't make light of it. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Don't faint because of it. You know, sometimes because we don't understand the ways of God. Amen? You say amen. We're all talking to one another. Amen? Sometimes the, the, the uneducated Christian or the baby Christian will always equate hardships and chastisements with God not loving me 
and God bailing out on me and not being good because all we've preached is an ice cream God for half the time. We haven't preached a holy God. Amen. We haven't preached a God that is stern about some things and we take God flippantly. Amen. And we treat God in a way we would never treat our earthly fathers. Am I right? You think how people are so flippant with God. Would you ever imagine being like that towards your father? Not in a million years. Amen? I would have had dentures at 25. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We got to reverence the Lord, folks. You with me? And what's he say? He says, don't faint because of the chastisement. Don't, don't, don't give up because of it. But understand, God's trying to do something in your life. He hasn't left you. He's trying to uh, change your direction. He hasn't left you. He's trying to get through to you. He's not pleased with certain things. We just think we live any way we want. If I get in the jam, God bails me out. Have you ever stopped and said, Lord, how do you feel about this? Before I make this mistake for the fifth time, does this please you or does this grieve you? And when something comes in, listen, when anything comes into my life, before I rebuke the devil, kick the dog, blame the in-law, let a man examine himself. Say, Lord, did I do anything to bring this in? Did I let down my shield of faith? Did I give place to the devil? Amen? Did I sow a seed and now I'm reaping? Right? Some people want to sow wild oats and then pray for crop failure but it don't it don't work like that no 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 but don't faint because of it don't despair when you're going through it recognize your father is a loving father and he's doing this because he cares and he doesn't want you going down that road or he doesn't want you repeating that mistake he doesn't want you blind in that area he's trying to get you to see don't faint because of it don't despair don't give up don't go back I got this little note here. Don't sit in the corner sucking your thumb. You ever see sometimes, you know, little, little children can be very, uh, you know, theatrical, right? And, you know, and they do something wrong and they try to call you on it and, and, they, and then you get, give it to them a little bit and then they go overboard. Ah, and you say, knock it off. Oh, man, just do it the right thing. Go say you're sorry, pick your toys up and, you know. And so sometimes people, they get over. And God says, no, I don't want any dramatics. I want you to recognize sometimes I'll bring things into your life and it's not the devil, it's me waking you up, trying to show you something you're doing is grieving me. I'm not pleased with that dishonesty. I'm not pleased with that insincerity. I'm not pleased that you haven't kept your word in that area. I'm not pleased by the way you're gossiping when no one's around. You see, God sees everything. Isn't that terrible? So we think we get away with it. And God sees it. And then we're foolish enough to pray, Lord, make me like you. He says, are you kidding? And he begins to deal with certain things. Lord, is there something in me that's grieving your spirit? Am I doing something that you're telling me you want me to change? Have I maybe done something I need to make right with my brother? Sowing, and you can't talk about people and not expect you to get some kind of arrow hitting you back. You, you, you can't do that not, see what I mean? You, you can't do something dishonest and not expect there to be some kind of a reaping in your own life. 
So again, don't make light of it. Don't think because of it. But here we go. We're going to finish up this thought, and then we can close it down. Remember the proofs of God's discipline, and then remember the product of God's discipline. Remember the proofs of God's discipline. Really, it's verses 6 and 8. It, it proves our Father's love. It proves our sonship. And what, what's it say here? For the Lord disciplines those what? He loves. Now, not those that he hates. Not those that he doesn't care about. He disciplines those he loves. Wow. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a, as a son. As a son. So it's a good sign. Wow. It was long ago I heard this story. I'm going to try to remember it. Oh, I'm trying to remember that man of God's name. He had a tent. He had a tent. He had a big, he had a college out west. Lowell Lundstrom, maybe. Lowell, maybe Lowell Lundstrom. He was an old preacher. And he preached under the tent for Brother Shambach once in a while during a long crusade and he told this story it might have been I think it was him and he, and he told this story uh, about a young girl in one of his youth groups they got called into the, uh, the counselor's office because she was wearing some kind of provocative t-shirt that had some kind of provocative saying on it and the counselor said so and so why are you wearing this you've always been a good student you've always been a why all of a sudden and her response was this, I wear it because I just want to see if my father cares enough to say something to me about it. Parents that don't discipline don't care. Our Heavenly Father cares, so he disciplines. He cares because he doesn't want us going down the wrong road. He cares because he doesn't want us going into the ditch. He cares because he wants us to become who he's made us to become. And he wants us to achieve the wonderful things he's ordained our life to achieve. He wants us to enjoy the blessings of being a son. Amen. He wants us to enjoy that. So as we're growing, he has to bring a discipline. And I'll tell you, the disciplines prove a father's love and the discipline proves we're his sons. I only discipline my sons. You say, I'm not going to discipline. I mean, that, that proves that's their mind. Amen. They're my life. They're my everything, all right? They got my blood. They got my DNA. They got my everything, all right? They're the ones. I'll go, you know, so I'll discipline them because I care for them more than anything else. See? And it proves his love, okay? And lastly, and lastly, it's all in this one verse. Don't make light of it. Don't think because of it. Remember the proofs of God's discipline. The proofs, it proves our Father's love, proves our sonship. And remember the products of discipline. What does this discipline produce? And we see that. We see that. We can go into verses 9 through 11. And we can see it produces life and holiness and the fruits of righteousness. How about this? Um, moreover, we've all had human fathers. They disciplined us. And we, we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live and live and live? It produces life in us as we learn God's ways and we learn to lean on his grace and we learn to live in a way where we're sensitive to his spirit and respond to his dealings and grow, learn the lessons. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us what for our good that we may share in his holiness. What a thought. God wants you and I to share in his holiness. 
Isn't that a thought to chew on? He disciplines us so we can share in his holiness. And then he goes on to say that if we've been trained by this, if we've learned the lessons he tries to teach us and respond to them properly, it produces, end of verse 11, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who's been trained by it. A harvest of righteousness and peace in your heart and your home circumstances we got to pick up next time but we're dealing with the very fact and we'll look next time at how are some of the ways God disciplines us because when you study the Bible you saw different things when Israel would forsake him he would pull back the blessing when Israel would forsake him, he would throw a monkey wrench into their plans amen and they would just be spinning their wheels when Israel would forsake him the showers wouldn't fall harvest wouldn't come and they forsake him amen with hand the blessing goes back the shield goes down all these until they'd wake up and seek the lord again and we'll kind of study that next next week there's an old testament one of the prophets said because you're neglecting my house and there's a principle to it and and you're taking care of your own business and you're neglecting my business you know what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put holes in your pockets. And you're going to work real hard and at the end of the month have nothing to show for it. You're going to work real hard, but he says, you know what? It's going to be like taking your paycheck and putting it in a pocket with holes in it. You're going to strain and struggle, and at the end of the day, there's nothing there. This God says, I got a house you're not taking care of. And instead, you're taking care of your business and neglecting it. Wow, it's amazing. And I don't know about you, one of the things I always say, if, if, if God starts throwing a monkey wrench into what I'm doing, I call that time out real quick and say, Lord, am I missing it somewhere? Because I know we got more power than the devil. That devil messes. We take our stand, we pray him out, but I can't pray God out. Amen? You see what I'm getting at? We, we blame. So sometimes the first thing I do is, Lord, have I missed it somewhere? Hey, have I missed your leading? Have I started doing something that might be a nice thing, but it wasn't your will for my life? Or, Lord, did I go about this thing and you weren't pleased with the attitude I had? So your blessing's not there. We're going to look at that. Because how does God discipline us? If I'm going to learn the lessons, I want to recognize some ways God puts that hand into my life so I can be quick to discern it and respond to it. Amen? I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through any more discipline than I have to. I, I, I want to recognize it soon so I can repent or make things right, learn the lesson and move on. I don't want to go around that barn twice. I've gone through some things, and I said, Lord, please, let me learn the lesson here because I don't want to go through this again. Amen? Father, we thank you for taking us a little deeper. We want to learn your ways. That's why we study the Bible. We want to learn it. We thank you that you love us. And that's why you care enough to discipline us. You care enough to stop us when we're going down the wrong road. You care enough to address us when we're grieving you or acting in a way that's not pleasing to you. We thank you, Lord, that because you consider us sons, 
you lovingly deal with us for our good. Help us not to take lightly, but to recognize and accept and properly respond to your dealings and your disciplines so that we may be trained by them and grow in righteousness and grow in spiritual maturity and we might partake of your holiness and we might become the mature sons and daughters that you desire us to be. In Jesus' name and all God's people